Hello and welcome to Canvas, an FBI radio podcast unframing art and ideas. My name is Aisha Ash and I am your host. Today's episode was recorded on Gadigal and Wangal countries where sovereignty was never ceded. Today we are joined by Snack Syndicate or Andrew Brooks and Astrid Lorange. Snack Syndicate is a critical art collective who work mostly across text and have recently started a small publishing house called Rosa Press. In today's episode, Andrew and Astrid share on how they met, abolition and infrastructural inequalities, and their recently established publishing collective, plus what they've got coming up. My name is Emerald Dunfrost, and I have had the absolute pleasure of being able to interview Andrew Brooks and Astrid Larange from Snack Syndicate. My name is Andrew Brooks. And my name is Astrid Larange. We're also talking to you from unceded Mongol land and very grateful to be on this land and knowledge elders past and present. We are both teachers and writers and editors. And sometimes and artists. Sometimes artists. <laughs> Together we are Snack Syndicate and we call ourselves a critical art collective. You talk about working collaboratively and collectively and I really wanted to sort of start with the way you met. Particularly, I wanted to talk about the idea of crushes and hardcore crushes because I feel like <laughs> I have a hardcore crush on you too and I feel like you likely have one for each other. <laughs> That's maybe the sort of the inspo for making work possibly started. Coming up to nine years ago, we just happened to be in the same institution after both having periods of time away from Sydney. When we were both in Sydney at the same time, everyone that we knew and we shared a lot of people in friendship circles kind of said to each of us, oh, you have to meet Andrew or you have to meet Astrid. And (laughs) after a couple of months of this, I was like, oh, my God, who is this person? And then I met him and I was like, oh, he's amazing and he's interested in all the same things I am. And we, yeah, we became good pals and then later down the track kind of started collaborating yeah, and then once we started collaborating, we were like, okay, this is a, you know, this is a really exciting and sort of long-term collaboration. This is kind of like, you know, we have a shared set of interests and we have a shared commitment to study and we have a shared sense of a political orientation to the world. And we also had a shared idea about what it means to make, in some ways, ambiguous objects that were kind of somewhere between a publication and an artwork and a project and a poem and a you know whatever but sort of making them as a way of understanding the world and understanding our responsibility to it and also understanding like how we can make friendships and partnerships and romantic and platonic love the kind of material for you know, really kind of serious kinship formations. I would love actually to pivot a little bit into concepts of abolition because that was something that resonated quite a bit with me when I was looking at your work, particularly the idea of infrastructural inequality. The Infrastructural Inequalities Research Project, which is now quite a few years old, it goes back to 2018. Part of the genesis for that was we were given a studio at Artspace 
And when we were in that space, we were starting to think about what we wanted to do and what we wanted to pursue. And we wanted to, as part of that residency, try to make the space a space of study as much as we could to try to open it up in different ways. We thought maybe we can run, and we did um, run a small poetry reading series out of the studio. And we thought, are there ways that we can use the space that bring other people into it and that make it a site for study in different ways that is related to but slightly outside of the university setting where we otherwise work you know we were interested in the capaciousness of infrastructure i suppose you know part of our interest in that was in the building of social infrastructures and the building of kind of informal infrastructures and infrastructures of study and infrastructures yeah that we might think of in more social terms and we were also interested in different ways our work together and separately had kind of asked or skirted around different questions around infrastructural forms, you know, work in archives and work with legal documents and an interest in the way that settlement is produced and the forms that settlement takes, the way it's infrastructed and the way that infrastructure often becomes invisible. And so that was the first public program we did alongside an exhibition. Yeah, and we sort of, we started an open access journal that was able to, I guess, gather and communicate some of the texts and projects that came out of that public program and an exhibition. There seems to be this thing where you're kind of like using these existing tools and these institutions to do something new and to sort of offer like a, yeah, like an opportunity to envision a, a different future. I think that there's tends to be like a bit of a burn this thing down, like let's kind of start to break this apart kind of theme that's coming up. And I know that you've actually just started a publishing press called Rosa Press Rosa Press's underlining ethos is that it is a publishing collective that is dedicated to communism and its poetics. And we take communism, you know, to be about the abolition of the value form. And by that, I mean, you know, under capitalism, there is a relationship between how much labour one puts into the system and how much access one has to the resources and the materials necessary for living. There is a kind of causal relationship or a coercive relationship between how much labour one puts in and what what one can kind of draw out. And the abolition of the value form is to say really to abolish that relationship, to abolish that link and to think, well, you know, our definition of communism is really about how do we provide what people need when they need it. Um, And one of the editions was called Inferno. Yeah, and in terms of Inferno, which is a book of mine that Rosa has just published, the genesis of that book, it's sort of located in a series of uh, workplace fights, I suppose, is the kind of first origin point for that, that book of poems. The university I was working at at the time kind of went through a bunch of restructures and it resulted in, you know, pretty dramatic pay cuts or pretty dramatic wage theft to casuals. The genesis of those poems was kind of thinking about trying to organise against those cuts. At the same time, I was kind of, you know, looking at a world in defined by rolling crises, you know, state violence, climate catastrophe. And so I was interested in these minor and major hells that we found ourselves in, you know, the kind of um, sites of terror that were every day, as well as the sites of terror that felt kind of apocalyptic, including, of course, the, you know, the terror of settler colonialism, the terror of capitalism. And I was reading Dante's Inferno. 
as all of this was going on. What's coming up for you both? Yeah, I will hopefully have a little a small book of poems coming out with Atalos Press, which is based in Berkeley in, in California, hopefully in the next 12 months. We're working on a podcast at the moment. Oh, yeah, we're working on a oh, podcast. Oh, that's awesome. How yeah. can a podcast <laughs> comes out oh. of the abolition panels? So kind of using that material. We are really lucky to be able to host a bunch of conversations earlier in the year around kind of abolition policing that kind of built on some of the work in the infrastructure inequalities journal um and those conversations were so rich and they had so much in them that we thought oh maybe there's something more to do with this material that we have so we're kind of trying to turn those into a kind of two-part podcast and now an excerpt from snack syndicate's groundwork groundwork fred moton says what's deep is also really simple What makes something deep is also that which makes it difficult and therefore worth struggling for. Moten again, though it might seem like talking with and not to the congregation is the point, the deep and simple secret is not talking but listening. What do you hear? How do you hear it? I picture a sound system pieced together from old speakers salvaged from the side of the road or rescued from piles of rubbish. I listen for a tone before it sounds, a deep bass note with a history, both militant and tender. I wait for an echo to return from a space I have not yet inhabited. I listen for ghosts that haunt our present and usher us toward new futures. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canvas, Unframing Art and Ideas. Thank you to Emerald Dunfrost for wrapping up our year and to Snack Syndicate, Andrew Brooks and Astrid Larange for sharing their stories, voices and work. To find out more about the artist featured in this episode, scroll down to the show notes. This episode was brought to you by our fabulous team, executive producer Michelle Tsao, producer and audio editor Kanika Kerpalani, researcher Eleanor Zorowski and me, your host, Aisha Ash. Our intro music was made by Jackie DeLacy. Canvas is an FBI radio podcast. If you like what you're listening to, hit subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with someone you love. Check out our Instagram at canvas underscore 94.5 FBI for more great art content and show updates. Kia paitera, have a good day.